Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Stalkers. They may not sound threatening to some people, but they can harm their victim by simply being in the same space with them. And one such stalker changes the way of life for a couple whose options are exhausted. Dungeons and Dragons seems like a great game to play with friends and to meet new people. But what if you invite a stranger with the personality of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? And if anyone has heard of the movie Duel, 1971 by Steven Spielberg, well, this is one story that will have you putting pedal to metal. Welcome, listeners, to three disturbing true Let's Not Meet stories. A quick heads up for you lovely listeners. These are true stories and explore adult themes. There is swearing more than most stories that I cover, and psychological trauma covered in these stories. If you have had experience with being stalked, please walk carefully with me during this story. It is the first story of the three that I narrate today. I'm mentioning this because I'd hate to have people relive past memories and cause old wounds to resurface. And lastly, thank you to all of you for sending those stories through and providing me the green light to narrate your stories. I appreciate this and with great respect do I narrate them. Turn the lights off, the sound up, and get ready for something different. When your neighbor stalks you. Life was moving along quite nicely for me. Happily married. Financially safe. And everyone I care about. Healthy. Then, it all changed. I lived in a small, gated neighborhood off one street that was a big circle, with communal mailboxes at the front. One day, I stopped to get my mail and some dude starts making small talk with me. Then he tells me he's noticed me before, and runs to his car to get a notebook where he proceeds to show me written notes he's made about me, including my physical description and that of my vehicle. I'm completely shocked, and mumbled something of a goodbye and went home. I peep out my window, and the guy drives right by my house, then pulls into a driveway five doors down. Apparently, he just moved in. Fuck my life. I make the decision not to tell my husband because he can be overprotective at times, and I felt like he might escalate things. My thought was, let's see if anything else happens. Maybe it'll go away. No such luck. After that, weird things started to happen over the next few days. Things go missing from the yard plants and such. The garden hose gets cut in half, then our garage door opener is stolen from my husband's car. At this point, I realize the problem is not going to go away. Okay, I realized it earlier, but still, I was reluctant to get my husband involved because I knew this shit was going to go to a whole new level. There is a tendency for people who are being stalked to ignore it for a while, in hopes it just disappears. As a female, 
I had years and years and years of unwanted male attention, and employed a number of tactics to defuse it. Ignoring the attention is usually effective, just not in this case. The night the garage door opener was stolen, I made my decision to tell my husband after supper. Before I can do that though, he went out to his car to get something. A few minutes later, he comes back in, holding a business card with the words, Call me, written on the back. It was the stalker's card. So, I sit down and tell my husband everything, and he blows a gasket. He immediately wants to go to the guy's house to confront him. This is a bad thing. I plead with him to think about me. If he escalates this to this guy, then who knows what he'll do. We call the police, who were utterly fucking useless. Naturally, they state that unless there is some evidence of stalking, they can't do anything. We repeat that he has left his business card on our car, but they tell us it doesn't mean anything. I get that cops are hamstrung by laws they can't control, but their abject apathy to my plight was, was unconscionable. My husband starts internet researching the guy, trying to find his phone number, because the business card only had a main business number on it. He can't find the stalker's phone number, but he does find the stalker's dad's number, as they share the same name and it is easy enough to put 2 plus 2 together. My husband calls the father of this middle-aged man stalking me, and tells him everything. The man promises to talk to his son. They hang up. I now have a strong sense of foreboding that this shit is gonna get real. So, now what? Well, the next two days, I walk around in a daze and refuse to go into my front yard, so there will be no chance of encountering him passing by, which has increased in frequency, making us believe he is watching our house and running out to talk to me whenever he spots me. But my husband is occasionally out front, arriving home, checking mail, etc. And each time, the stalker drives by and flips my husband off. On the third day, and with much trepidation. I head to the local mall to run errands. By now, I'm doing everything completely different. I don't drive from point A to point B. I take random, complicated routes to my destination. I'm constantly scanning the people nearby and behind me. I'm on it from a paying attention standpoint. Despite my precautions, I spot the fucker as I was walking into Target. One part of my brain is saying, it's okay, take it easy. This mall is a mile from my house, so it would not be unreasonable to see a neighbor here. And the other part of my brain is screaming, kill it with fire. I immediately turn around and make haste to a different store. I didn't want to go back to my car because I didn't want him to see where I was parked. He hasn't done anything, so I know calling the police won't help. After hiding out in that store a bit and not seeing him, I stop holding my breath and begin to feel a little better. I pick up a few things and cautiously exit. And there he is. I hurriedly rush into a large big box store and flee to the back. 
After lurking a bit, I slink out the garden center exit, and I don't see him. <sighs> I exhale a huge sigh of relief. Taking the most complicated route through several parking lots one can imagine, I walk towards a car, opposite of mine, then at the last second, turn and run to my car and hop in, slam the door and lock it, put the key in the ignition and as I'm turning it, look into my rear view window. And there he is, standing behind my car, staring at me with eyes totally devoid of any emotion and this sick. Sick, sick grin on his face. Well, fuck him. Fuck the useless police. Fuck everything. I drop the car in reverse and step on the gas. He leaped out the way at the last second, and I can see him laughing so hard he's doubled over holding his stomach. I get home, shaking, crying, trembling. So violently my legs won't support the weight of my body. My husband is in a rage, just losing his freaking mind. This pisses me off. I need support from him at this moment. So I tell him to can it and come hold me. Getting a grip, he does just that. We sat like that for a full hour until I stopped trembling. I'm just beginning to feel human again when the garage door starts going up. My husband and I stare at each other. Mouths hanging open in total disbelief. My husband runs out the front door and around to the garage. No one there. Remembering the opener was stolen from his car earlier that week. Any rage or anger we felt earlier that day has evaporated, leaving a blood-curdling fear in its place. This guy is not going to stop. This guy is upping his game. This guy wants to hurt me. We call the police again. This time, they at least had the courtesy to send someone out to talk to me. We take them through everything. Their reaction? Completely bored. In fact, they begin discussing where to eat when they finish with me, just as I'm taking them through the mall scenario. They leave my house, walk down to his. He either isn't home or isn't answering, so they walk back. After vague murmuring about, they follow up. They have me sign the complaint form which when filling out, their biggest concern was detailing their time so they could ascribe a cost to the visit. The next day my husband calls the police department for an update. Nothing. Two days later, same answer. On the fourth day, he's told that the cops called the stalker on the phone. He says I'm mistaken and he doesn't know what I'm talking about. The cops ask him about my husband's call to his father, and he tells them it was embarrassing for him. They basically end the call telling him not to stalk me. The end. That's it. No help whatsoever. So my husband and I form a plan that night, which was a Friday. He had been keeping tabs on the guy and learned that he worked out of town Monday through Thursday. That following Monday, we gave our landlord notice, breaking our lease and paying huge money in penalties. Tuesday, the packing company comes and packs our house. Wednesday, the movers come and move our stuff to an apartment we quickly leased across town. Thursday, we clean the place. We are leaving. And then we say goodbye to our home of four years. For a long, long time, I carried fear. 
I never went to that mall again. I changed my appearance, even to the point of wearing disguises. Any previous routines I had disappeared. It changes you when you're stalked. Being subject to the fearful unknown makes it harder to trust. Is this friendly neighbor a wolf in disguise? I never saw the stalker again, and it's my fervent wish to never meet him again. Our next story is titled, Invite a new group of people over to my apartment to play D&D. Insanity ensues. So, about ten years ago, I was in college and decided, at the urging of some of my friends, to do an open invite D&D session at my apartment. It was really close to the college itself, but not on campus, and it wasn't part of the dorms in any way. It was above a restaurant and everything, so it was pretty clear that my apartment had nothing to do with student housing. This is important for later. So the night comes and the stage is set. All in all, everyone seems nice and things are going well enough. Except for one guy. There always has to be that one guy. So I try to let it slide. He's being really pushy and going on and on about his character's background and this and that when we have not even got to him yet and are just trying to set up the story and play the game. Then, because he has some grudge against another guy there, he starts passing me notes and trying to get me to randomly help him kill this guy's character for no reason. First of all, that would have made no sense in the setting of the game. Secondly, that would accomplish literally nothing. For those of you who don't play D&D, it's not like your character dies in a random one-off game. You have to trash it and never bring it out again. Thirdly, this guy was just all up in my personal space, whispering in my ear and passing me notes and telling me how to play. Like he was in control of the game, or me, in any way. It was really uncomfortable and weird. I didn't want to make a scene since I didn't know how everyone who showed up knew one another and decided to just ignore him and try to have a good time, despite the fact he would not get out of my personal space. When it became clear that I was not going to listen to him and help kill that other guy's character, he had a meltdown. He literally stood up and started throwing D&D books at my head, all of them he could reach, and screeching that I should have done what he told me to do, and this was my punishment, and next time, I had better listen. What the fuck? Oh no no no, not in my house. I opened the door and told him to get the fuck out. He told me I couldn't kick him out, so and so had invited him. I told him I didn't give a shit who invited him. This was my apartment that I paid rent for, and I had every right to kick him out, and he was lucky I wasn't calling the goddamn cops. The rest of the table backed me up, and pretty much ended up having to shove him out the door and down the stairs to get him to leave. The dude could not grasp the fact that no means no, and his actions had consequences. I'm 100% sure no one had ever made him have to follow through on any sort of punishment before. By the baffled look on his face as I closed the door and locked the door behind him, and went back upstairs. So, 
I get back upstairs and people start apologizing to me and telling me he is like that all the time. And they didn't actually invite him, he just shows up wherever they go. And they can't get him to leave them alone. And every time they try, he throws a tantrum. We get back to the game and things are going pretty well. For about 20 minutes, until I hear my doorbell ring. So I go downstairs and it's Tantrum Guy with some other dude I've never met before. Tantrum Guy is standing behind the new guy, with his chest puffed out and this whole look about him like, You're in trouble now. So I open the door and ask if they are here to apologize for Tantrum Guy assaulting me earlier. And new guy immediately turns around to look at Tantrum Guy and it's clear he did not get the whole story. I tell the new guy what actually happened, and he tells me that he is an RA with the school, and I have to let Tantrum Guy back into my apartment if I'm holding a school function. I tell RA Guy that, first of all, I rent this apartment, and it's not part of student housing. As should be apparent from the fact that it is, again, above a restaurant. Secondly, even if he was an RA, which I have no proof of, as he could just be one of Tantrum Guy's friends. That does not give him authority over any building I'm living in because he is not my RA. But that doesn't matter because, again, I don't live in student housing. I live in an apartment above a restaurant. Finally, that this is not a school event, it is a private gathering, which he would know if he was a real RA, and not some guy Tantrum Guy snagged to come back here to try and do I don't even know what at this point. This RA guy keeps insisting that I have to let them into my apartment, and that if I am a student then wherever I live is student housing, and that he need to come in and inspect the place, and this, that, and the other, and says this every time I make a point. It becomes more and more clear that this is just some random guy, and they want into my apartment for probably nefarious purposes, thinking that I am here alone for some reason. I tell them they are not getting in, and if they continue to stand there and try to get me to let them in, or if they try my door after I leave, I'm going to call the cops and proceed to shut the door and head back upstairs. Everyone at the party asks who that was, and when I tell them, they all decide it's time to head home. I tell them they really don't have to, but they tell me it's getting late, and this whole thing is starting to weird them out and escalate in weird ways, and I can't really blame them for that. When I go downstairs and open the door for them, Tantrum Guy and the would-be RA are across the street and seem amazed for some reason that these people were still in my apartment and were now leaving. I never had any more trouble with either of them, but I also never had another D&D night. It just didn't seem worth it. I still play, just with groups I know. One Scary Drive to Atlanta So, at the time I lived in Atlanta, but I was born from Maryland. My family and friends still live in Maryland, so it was very common for me to make the drive to and from for visits. My daughter was smaller at the time, so I always found it better to drive at night while she slept. Just limited restroom and food stops plus VA traffic sucks. So anyways, per the usual routine I loaded up on monster drinks and snacks. 
After napping, me and my significant other, at the time, and my daughter, set off on our trip home. I always drove at first, as my driving partner had poor night vision, and I always felt like I moved faster during my part of the driving. The entire trip was uneventful until we made it into South Carolina. I personally hate driving on 85 in South Carolina, because it always has too many police hiding, and they've been known to do scary crap. For example, on a previous trip down, I remember passing an SC officer in one of those emergency openings on the highway. He was sitting there, with his headlights on, so they shined into the driver's side window of every passing car heading southbound. I found that to be odd. But whatever. Not my business. So I was riding in my cruise control, knowing exactly what speed I was going, and I was not exceeding the speed limit. Maybe 10 miles down the road, which is practically deserted, I see headlights behind me. These headlights seem to be approaching really quickly. So I keep looking into my rearview mirror, and feeling super concerned, not wanting this crazy person to crash into me, doing 100 miles per hour. So the headlights get right on my bumper, and I'm scared. The high beams are on, so I'm being blinded, and had to adjust the mirrors. The headlights follow behind me, for what seemed like forever, but I maintain my speed. Then, they pull next to me, and lock windows. It's that damn cop. What the fuck are you doing, dude? I think to myself. He holds this position for at least a mile, and then speeds off. I'm shaking and scared to the point where I want to get off, but the need to get out of SC outweighs it, and I keep going. Anyway, you see why I hate driving in SC? But back to my original story, we've made it into SC, and I'm hyper-vigilant, and on the deserted road as usual. I enter into this particularly dark section of the highway, and I see this pickup a good distance ahead of me. But it doesn't phase me. Why should it? So I'm crushing, listening to the comedy channel of iHeartRadio, and laughing my ass off at Jim Gaffigan and others, when I keep looking at this pickup that seemed to have slowed, so I could catch up to it. The pickup remained in front of me, and I noticed the back of the cab, and license plate. Both looked to have maroon-coloured dried liquid streaking down. Is that blood? I make a mental note of the plate and quick description of the truck. Just then, the truck changes lanes. To be on my passenger side, and closer to the exit ramps, the truck maintains its speed, which is now my speed and keeps pace with me. I'm nervous, but I never speed up or slow down, and just maintain the speed. I look over a few times, but the windows are tinted and I can't see in. Just then, the truck moves to the exit of the highway, and all is well. That is until I look into the rear view. I see this fucking truck, which is halfway up the damn exit ramp, reverse all the way down. Why would you do that? That's illegal and dangerous. The pickup then speeds to catch up with me, pulls out in front of me. Then the scariest shit that's ever happened to me while driving happens. Way scarier than a fucking deer running onto the highway in front of you. The sliding glass window of the cab slowly opens, and out of the darkness is what appears to be the barrel of a rifle. Before the rifle could be aimed, 
I slammed on the brakes, swerved the car to the far right, and thank goodness, the next exit was right there. And because both vehicles were moving so fast prior to me slamming on the brakes, the pickup passed the exit that I high-tailed up. I looked over and saw the pickup's reverse lights on, and I drove like a bat out of hell, making a thousand turns to make sure no one could follow, and finally, finding the most brightest and heavily populated truck stop I could find. With my heart going 1,000 miles a minute, and hands shaking, I parked the car. I tried to use the GPS to determine where I was so I could call the cops and report what happened, but I figured it pointless and just tried to calm down. Needless to say, I stayed parked at this stop until first light. I have no idea why these people chose to terrorize a woman driving on the highway. So, creepy blood-soaked pickup with VA tags? Let's not meet. Just wow. What creepy stories. A big thank you to all of you that submitted. VYF8AC and Sean Adams, who were the contributors today. Our first story will remain anonymous, but thank you nonetheless. And for VYF8AC, I've added a Reddit link. Now, let's talk about stalkers. Stalkers are so difficult to stop. The police's hands are tied. The information you provide can be construed in particular ways, and getting any real action seems to be always on the victim's side as evidence is hard to locate and prove. And reading through the comments and having a look online about what others say about dealing with stalkers, it's not a one-size-fits-all sort of situation for a solution. But there are other ways, and the people in this situation handled the problem in the best way they could. Others, for example, would want to go out, confront the stalker, but to what end? And, potentially, to disastrous consequences. The only aspect that I could think of is Record the guy, but the unfortunate part is, record them doing what? Short of doing up your house with cameras and them being aware of that, they will always find ways to mess with you. Listeners, YouTube commenters, if you have any suggestions, any at all, or feedback in this space, let me know. Leave a comment and share your ideas. We can all learn from the ideas shared here. And my listeners, you, lovely people, are sharp and respectful. So I'm certain there'll be some information here that might potentially help others. Now, I hope you have a fantastic weekend, my ghouls and ghasts. Stay safe and have a great, well-deserved break for your weekend. And lastly, we have a public holiday this Monday. So I may not have an episode squared away for that, but we'll see. So if you don't hear from me Monday, you will definitely hear from me Wednesday. This time I think I'll do some no sleep horror, skinwalkers or cryptid stories. We'll see. And if you have any stories to send, don't hesitate. I love hearing from you guys and gals, genuinely. So send them on through mates. You can reach me on storiesfablesghostlytales at gmail.com. And a big thank you to those people who have just recently left some iTunes reviews. You rock. <laughs> Thanks so much. And as always, till next time.